Hey everyone, again, my name is Andrew, pastor here at Sanctuary Church. Glad you've joined us today on the broadcast. Uh, today, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming my friend, Sean Marshall. Uh, he's going to be teaching today, coming from Chicago. Uh, he lives there lives there with his wife, Veronica, and uh, their daughter, Sage. Sean is a friend. Uh, Sean is someone I've had the opportunity, I don't know if you have a friend like this, just to be able to learn under, to learn from in just some really deep and profound ways over the years. Sean is unbelievably wise, a gifted coach, uh, a gifted trainer. Uh, I've had the opportunity to serve with him in helping train church planters uh, around the country. Uh, he is the founder of Manifest, which is a movement helping people to live the life that they were made and created to live. Uh, he is just one of a kind, and I'm so excited to have him here on the broadcast today as we continue our series, The Future Is. So give a round of applause, clap, throw something at the screen, get excited. Here's Sean. Good morning, Sanctuary. It is an honor to be with you all virtually. I really wish I could be there with you physically, but you know how Rona's working right now. Uh, I miss getting on planes and traveling to different places, but one day. Uh, so it's great to uh, see you at least on a screen. Andy Mook, thank you for uh, this invitation. Love your heart for Jesus. Love the folks uh, that you are partnering with uh, to lead not just uh, one church, but this uh, family uh, of churches uh, gathered across that whole uh, region. So my assignment uh, for you uh, in sharing today is the future ain't none of your business. The future is none of your business. Tuesday, I turn 41 years old. It's my birthday uh, on Tuesday. And the older I get, the more I am realizing that I am not growing older as a black man. I'm actually, as I grow older, I am becoming an older black woman. Yeah, I'm becoming more like, how's that for an opening line? I'm becoming more of my grandmother. I'm turning into Edwina Marshall, my grandmother, who passed away about 20 years ago. As I get older, I'm learning uh, that I am becoming more like her in her inclinations, in her desires, and in the things that she would say. When I was in my 20s, and I would be more excited about what I would be planning to do with my friends uh, as the weekend uh, would approach, where we would go, what, what are some of the things that we might be uh, planning to do. Now, uh, when the weekend approaches, I get more excited about what I'm going to cook with my greens and my sweet potatoes. Uh, I'm turning into my grandmother. You laugh then, but you need to be praying uh, for me if you really love me. Uh, when my wife and I just uh, bought a house recently. And I always imagined that when, when I bought a house that uh, I would be excited about setting up my man cave and, you know, getting the home theater system together. Now I'm more excited about uh, the fact that we're getting ready to purchase a new stove and what kind of stove do I want? What are the right measurements? Because I, I want to make sure that I have everything I'll need to cook Thanksgiving dinner. And, and I'm excited about planting uh, vegetables in the garden outside in spring and which garden uh, what I'm going to set up and, and what flowers am I going to uh, plant? Uh, I'm turning into my grandmother, y'all. And uh, my wife and I have a three-year-old daughter. And uh, of course, because she's a toddler, uh, that means she's three going on 30. 
And so now she speaks in complete, perfect sentences. And now she is, of course, saying all of the things that she, uh, you would hope that she would never say. So she breaks into adult conversations regularly and wants to uh, be a part of those conversations. She, she remembers the things uh, that you forget you shouldn't say around a three-year-old and bring those up at the least opportune times. And so when I notice uh, that she's around, my wife and I, uh, and in conversation that we're having, just like looking at our mouths, trying to figure out what we're talking about, uh, my grandmother comes out of me and I look at her and I say these words to my, my, my precious little daughter in my Edwina Marshall voice. I look at her and I go, child, it's better to be seen and not heard. And if you're not careful, you're going to mess around and end up being viewed. Now, see, you don't understand what I just said. Uh, when I tell my daughter that if she's not careful, she's going to mess around and get viewed, what I am helping her to understand is that I brought her in this world and I might take her out if she doesn't go somewhere and mind her business. See, y'all heard that for the first time on the Cosby Show, see, but I grew up in a house where we heard that regularly. See, I could have helped Mike Pence out with the debate last week because, yeah, anyway, um, I look at my daughter when she's talking and when she's engaging and growing for a conversation and my grandmother comes out of me and I start looking at her and saying things to her like stay in a child's place. This is an A and B conversation. So see your way out of it. Child, go somewhere and mind your business. What business does a three-year-old have? I don't even know. But that's something that Edwina Marshall would say to me 20 years ago. What she was trying to help me understand was this. As I am a child, the conversations that were happening did not concern me. She was trying to help me understand that I was not mature enough for those conversations. She was trying to help me understand that even if I was mature enough for those conversations, that I was not at a point where I could handle the information that was being shared in those conversations. I could not steward the information in those conversations properly. Thirdly, she was telling me that there were other matters that I needed to go and attend to that were more appropriate for where I was developmentally. So all of that being wrapped up into words that only could be framed in a way that a Black woman who grew up in rural Mississippi could say, gone somewhere, stay in a child's place, mind your business. Now I'm saying these words. Now you all, I am an adult but I'm still a child of God. And I live in a time where I recognize that we as a people, we as a society have problems with that kind of wisdom. We have problems as a people with minding our business. It might be because we live in such an over-informed, hyper-connected hyper-reactive time in which, because we can, we think we should, and we think we have the right to say pretty much anything we want about everything and everyone we want. Because we can comment on social media when we feel like it, because there is no system that really regulates the media content that we post, we think that we have the right to make anything in the world 
our business, whether it truly is or not. As a matter of fact, we believe, especially as Americans, that the future is our business. I mean, this is a basic right if you live in America, because you as an American citizen are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You mean that as a United States citizen, that I have the right to determine what happiness is and then the right to go and pursue it? Well, then, let me go ahead and have a vision board party. Let me go ahead and make my 10-year plan. Let me go ahead and go and buy a journal and tell God what I want my future to look like. After all, I can chart my own course. After all, I can chart my own destiny. After all, I am the master of my own fate. And when I go to church, I will sit and pay attention to the messages that my preacher will preach that will tickle my ear and make my soul happy and help me to live my best life. And as I think about that mindset that's so easy for us to adopt right now, I can hear the words of my grandmother saying, child, stay in a child's place because the future is not your business. I wonder if one of the reasons why we are having such a hard time in this moment of transition is because everything that's happening in 2020 is a reminder that we have very little say in what the future actually Holds. Remember the end of 2019? Remember how you were seeing all of those inspirational messages on Instagram? Remember? Remember that? Remember this is your year for 2020 vision? You remember you were going to get your plenty in 2020? Remember all the prophetic promises that you were claiming and naming and blabbing and grabbing and all of the things that you were posting on your wall? And remember the Facebook cover that you posted and shared? Remember how hyped and hopeful you were coming into this year? Remember how righteous you were about what you were expecting, what you knew would happen. And then out of nowhere, out of left field, a virus shut down all of your vacation plans, shut down all of your social activities, all of your trips. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, now, oh my God, why is there no toilet paper on these shelves? Oh my God, why can't I find a can of Lysol? Oh my God, what in the world is going on in this election season right now? Oh my God, is this for real what I'm watching on TV? Seems like every 24-hour news cycle, there's another murder. Did another person of color just get killed today? What in the world is going on in 2020? Could it be that part of what's happening in 2020 is our reminder that we don't control the future? This is unsettling for us because we'd really like to believe that we do. We'd really like to believe that somehow the, the world should do what we envision that it should. This is the height of our idolatry and our arrogance, that if we look 
and somehow have a vision or a picture of the kind of future that we want, that it should exist. The reality, you all, is that the future is not only beyond our control, but over-focusing on the future becomes a foolish distraction for us. When we focus on trying to anticipate the future, listen to me, it steals our attention away from the present. And acting in the present is what actually engages us with the future. I'll say that one more time. When we focus on trying to anticipate the future, it steals our attention away from the present. And acting in the present is what actually engages us with the future. Because here's the truth. As many vision board parties as you may have, as many journals as you may fill, as many inspiring vision statements as you may write, as many encouraging messages as we may preach, you will never know the future. And the more that we try to plan, the more that we try to control the future, the more that we try to anticipate it, and then life happens, and then things happen that we can't expect and we can't plan for, we can't prepare for, there's a, a, a way in which our minds get wrecked and we get stuck when things happen that we couldn't possibly imagine. And we become anxious and fearful when life begins to present us with a bunch of unknowns, right? We become unsettled. We become worrisome. We, we become the kind of people that shrink back from living. We start saying things like, I don't know what's around the corner for 2020, so let me just, let me just chill. We stop living completely. We completely withdraw because now we're afraid. We've taken a fallback position. And I want to encourage you, the most important thing that we can do to prepare for a future filled with unknowns is to remain faithful to the knowns of this present moment. If we're going to be stuck because we don't know how to handle unknowns, the only way to transition and keep moving forward is to remind ourselves of what the knowns are and be faithful to those things. Because God holds the future. In moments of uncertainty, we have to tether ourselves to that which is most certain. Another thing my grandmother would say is, in times like these, we need an anchor. In times like these, we need a savior. My grandmother was a church woman, and that would be her refrain. Whenever stuff would go crazy in the world, and granted, 30 years ago, things were not nearly as crazy as they seem now. But whenever things would go crazier, stuff would happen. She would say, in times like these, we need an anchor. In times like these, we need a savior. It's interesting to me that for my grandmother, anchor was synonymous with savior. It was something about my grandmother's generation. It was something about my grandmother's faith that helped her to understand that Jesus 
was an anchor. I find it interesting that a lot of the prevailing narrative of faith in our generation is that Jesus isn't so much an anchor, that Jesus is more like Visa. You know, he's like everywhere you want him to be, right? He's like, he's he's not uh, the thing that helps you to lock in and stake uh, something in the ground so that you can hold your position. He, Jesus, we kind of think of him as uh, that guy who's going to take us where we want to go. But what if in this moment, Jesus is less like our mode of transportation and more like our mooring in a moment of transition? What if this is that moment in time where Jesus is helping us to understand that if we're worried about the future and if we're concerned about the future, the best thing for us to do is to grab hold of him. And instead of trying to figure out the future, allow ourselves to be transformed in the present so that we can transition when the time comes. I want to give you a couple of things that I see happening in Acts chapter one with these folks who walked with Jesus and came to some turning point moments that they couldn't have possibly expected. But I believe that they grabbed hold, even in that really crazy moment of transition and change, I believe they grabbed hold of some knowns that they could be faithful to, that helped them to be able to make some changes in the present, right where they were, that allowed them to prepare for the future that God was actually planning for them. It's interesting, in that text, Jesus leads them out and they say to him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore Israel? Are you going to restore our kingdom? Remember now, the Jews had been waiting for an earthly Messiah. They wanted a ruler to come and be like King David was and overthrow the Roman oppression, overthrow the Roman government. They wanted a political upheaval. They wanted a sense of national pride to be restored. You know, they wanted somebody to come along and make Israel great again, right? Jesus says, "Eh, you're asking me about what I'm going to do, but I'm I'm not here to talk about your expectations. I'm actually here to talk about your transformation. See, because those things that you're talking about, it's actually in the Father's authority, and it's not for you to know. But, but watch this. Number one, you need to embrace God's purpose. You need to embrace God's purpose. Instead of focusing on the future, I want you to be faithful to this first known, which is embracing God's purpose. What is God's purpose for me? You ever ask that question, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do with my life? What is God's direction for me, right? It's a big, bold, existential question. There's a lot of people who ask it. What is my purpose? But what am I here for? And it's an important question. And one of the things that I love doing is helping people figure out how to answer that question. But can I encourage you? If, if, if you haven't figured out like a really local, proximate, specific, personal answer to that question, 
Let me give you an answer to that question that comes right out of this text that can help you right where you are. Okay? Be a witness. Be a witness that tells people about what Jesus is up to. That's what Jesus says to the disciples. He says that, you know, you're asking me about all these grand things, but you know what I want you to do? I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to do some work on you. And as the Holy Spirit begins to do some work on you and in your midst, guess what's going to happen? You're going to begin to testify. You're going to witness to those things. And you're just going to tell people about me wherever you are. And you're going to tell people about me right here in Jerusalem. And then you're going to move a little further out in Judea. And then guess what? You're going to go to Samaria. What do you mean Samaria? Because we have no dealings with Samaritans. You mean you want me to be witnesses to people who aren't like me? You mean you want me to cross boundaries and connect to people who are different than me? You mean you want me to connect with people who don't think like me, who don't live like me, who don't vote like me? You mean you want me to, oh Lord Jesus, you mean you want me to, I live on Instagram. You mean you want me to talk to people who are on Facebook? I mean, that's a, that's, that's, that's really tough, Jesus. Yeah, I know. But I need you to be faithful to those things because your faithfulness to those things right now will be the things that will actually usher you into the future that you're trying to force. So number one, I need you to embrace my purpose. My purpose for you, if you don't know anything else, my purpose for you is for you to be transformed by the Holy Spirit so that you can help other people know that God is a healer so that you can help other people know that God is a deliverer, so that you can help other people know that God is a way maker, that God is a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless, so that you can help other people know that God is able to regulate your mind, so that you can help other people know that when you were worried and when you were anxious that God brought you peace, so that you can testify of the things that you've seen, not the things that you've heard, because that's hearsay. And those of you who are watching, who are attorneys and you work in the legal system, you know that hearsay is inadmissible in a court of law. If I'm going to call on a witness, I want to know what the witness saw with their own eyes. And God is saying to you that if you're worried about what God wants you to do with your life, and if you're worried about your future, one of the most basic things that he wants you to know today is he wants you to let the Holy Spirit work in your life wherever you are so that you can be transformed and tell somebody else who Jesus is and what he's done for you. So very basic. That's something that you can do right where you are. What has Jesus done for you? And who can you tell? And where can you tell? Did he heal you? Did he protect you? Did he provide for you? Did he give you direction? Did he give you insight? Did he give you hope? Did he give you revelation? Did he give you an opportunity to bless somebody's life? Embrace God's purpose. Secondly, I believe that he wants you to expect God's power. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes Upon you, you will receive power. If I were in a building with you, I would say, look at your neighbor and say power. I guess I got to tell you, just comment wherever you're watching that. Just comment 
wherever you're commenting, say power. Yeah, just do it right now. Say power. Because when a black preacher tells you to do something, do it. Say power. Power. Because God wants you to have power. He wants you to operate in the authority of the kingdom of God to do what he's sending you to do to be faithful in the here and now. You know what? The world is looking and watching and waiting for people with power. The world is looking and watching and waiting for people to stand up with authority. The world is actually, believe it or not, believe it or not, I believe that the world is tired of people forcing them to choose a side. I believe that the world is tired of left, right, this, that, conservative, liberal. I believe that the world is actually looking for leadership that is otherworldly. I believe that the world is looking for somebody who moves in power, who can step forward and change the conversation, not come with an argument that improves a side. But I believe that somebody is waiting for someone to come along and come with a new narrative, come with the power of the Holy Spirit to say, what if we did this? I believe that communities are waiting for someone to come in the power of the kingdom of God and say, what if we started these organizations? What if we started these businesses? What if we launched these ministries? What if these things would transform these communities? I believe that the world is waiting for certain voices to begin to emerge and to speak truth to power. I believe that the world is tired of listening to the same types of recycled messages and waiting for new prophets, new innovators, new thinkers to emerge. God has given you, God has given you some strategies. He's given you some wisdom. He's given you some ideas. And now he wants to send you with his supernatural power, with his power to do it with boldness, with his power to start that business with courage, with his power to answer your call to ministry. Yes, in a pandemic, to answer your call to ministry and be faithful, to expect God's power. Watch this. He wants to give you his power to do something new, to innovate. When the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the church, the church, the people of God were able to do something new. They were able to do something that they had not seen before. It saddens me that there are so many churches, that there are so many people across the world that are waiting for buildings to reopen because they think that that's the only way they can be the church. And they are waiting just like the disciples were in verse 10. The Bible says that they strained to see Jesus coming into heaven. And there were angels who came, two men clothed in white, tapped him on the head, said, Hey, wake up. Why y'all staring at Jesus? He's going up into heaven. He's going to come back in like manner. So go on about your business. They were stuck waiting for Jesus. I believe there are people who are stuck looking up 
at the old model who are stuck looking up, waiting for the doors of the church, the physical doors of the church to open again, stuck looking at the old ways of doing church, stuck looking at the old religious model, stuck looking at the same way we've educated kids, stuck looking at the same way we've done healthcare, stuck looking at the same way we've done politics. But God is raising up a people sanctuary who he's giving his power to go forth and do something new. And you are his people. Expect God's power. Embrace God's purpose. Expect God's power. And then thirdly, engage God's people. The Bible says in verse 12 that they returned from the Mount of Olives, distance of a half a mile, and returned to the upper room. Now, what's interesting about them being back in the upper room, the Bible says, verse 13, lists everybody who was in the upper room. And you have Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, a whole bunch of other people. There's a lot of characters in this room. Now, we know that Peter was in the room. Peter was the one who was packing in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. Peter had a piece on him. Soldiers came, he had a knife, and he pulled it out and said, you're not taking my savior. Slice the soldier's ear off. Jesus had to put the man's ear back on his head. Man, I can't take you nowhere. You're always fighting, always doing stuff, man. So violent. Peter's just cutting people off. Peter's violent. Peter's angry, you know? And then you have Thomas. Thomas was doubter. He didn't have any faith. Thomas was also strange because, you know, the disciples told him, man, we've seen Jesus. Jesus is alive. He's come back from the dead, you know? And Thomas says, except I thrust my hand in his side, I won't believe. Who says that? Who in the world says, I want to thrust my hand in somebody's wound so I can believe? But Jesus is so cool. He just says, all right, you know, I'm going to appear unto you and I'm going to let you do it. You know, here, you believe me now? And, And also in this room, also in this room, you have John. You know, John, the beloved disciple, you know, he was the beloved disciple. And you know who tells us that John was the beloved disciple, right? John tells us that John was the beloved disciple. Matthew didn't tell us that. Mark didn't tell us that. Luke didn't tell us that. As descriptive and detailed of an author as Luke was, Luke forgot to mention that John was the beloved. John also told us that he was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. Mark didn't get that. Matthew didn't get that, and Luke didn't get that either. But John remembered that important detail. So you have all kinds of characters in this upper room, but watch this. You need all of these different personalities. And we live in a time, Alan Hirsch refers to the time that we live in as the uncivil war, where we've lost the capacity uh, for divergence, and we've lost the capacity for actual diversity. I'm not talking about sheep diversity. We've lost the capacity to be in proximity with people who are different from us. But if we're going to be the transformative people of God, we have to be willing, we have to be willing to engage with people of different backgrounds. We have to be willing to engage and hear the stories of people who have suffered through things that we have not suffered through. 
We have to be willing. We have to be willing to submit to the lived experiences of people who have experienced things in this country so that we can learn from them. We have to be willing. We have to be willing to come out of our privilege and sit at the feet of people who have experienced pain that is instructive for the purposes of the kingdom. We have to be willing to build bridges where the enemy wants to see division because those things are what strengthen the church in this moment. We have to be willing to be faithful to the knowns. These are the things that we know to do. We don't know what the future holds, church. But we do know what God calls us to in this moment. We do know that God calls us to his purpose. He calls us to his power. He calls us to his people. He calls us to his kingdom. He calls us to be faithful to righteousness and justice. He calls us to be faithful. He calls us to this present moment. The future is none of our business. But faithfulness in the now is our responsibility. Father, thank you so much for our responsibility. And thank you that you have equipped us to steward it. I pray for these, your people. I pray that they would recognize how precious they are to you. And Lord, I pray that this unique body of believers would embrace your purposes in this moment. God, I sense and I'm I'm speaking what I sense the Lord saying. God, I sense that you desire by the power of your Holy Spirit to do a new and a transforming work in the hearts of your people in this church. God, I sense that you desire to break strongholds and to break bondage. And God, I sense that you desire to liberate minds and hearts, that your purposes might flow, that your anointing that your power might flow through this church. God, that a deeper level of authenticity, um, that a deeper level of, um, that a deeper, yeah, a deeper level of evidence of your kingdom, uh, that a deeper manifestation of your kingdom would be evident in this in this church and through this ministry. God, I pray that they would see so that they can be. I pray, Lord, that they would catch a vision as a people for what you desire to do through them in this unique moment, in this moment, in this moment, not for a future time, but for now. 
And God, I pray that they would humble themselves to that. I pray, God, for individuals whom you are calling to ministry. I sense that strongly. Um, They have an unusual path, an unusual process. Some are marketplace uh, ministries. Some are being called to prophetic ministry. Marketplace and to prophetic ministry. Some are being called to speak boldly, um, to speak boldly, to speak boldly, to speak boldly to systems and powers to confront evil and to confront wicked powers. God, I pray that you would give them courage to do so. Uh, some are being called to marketplace ministry. God, I pray that you would um, give them strategies. And Lord, I just thank you um, that you are giving this church great peace, these people great peace about your call on their life in this moment. May they be found faithful in Jesus' name.